there's been a $200 million one-time injection by the Senate president um, that, uh, last year. Uh, that would be for unfunded portions of the Sun Trail, um, and we have an unfunded portion of the Sun Trail about 2.2 miles from the Three Mile Bridge over to the Bayou Chico Bridge. Interesting stuff that the mayor is looking at trying to do downtown uh, from the Three Mile Bridge over to Bayou Chico. And as he, he mentioned, there's been $200 million set aside in the state for funding for, I guess, you know, bike safety, pedestrian safety, multi-use paths that are protected from, you know, the rest of the traffic. And so they're looking to apply for two different sections of this uh, for grants of about $4 million each. First? It's really in two parts. Part one is uh, protected bike lane from the north end of the Three Mile Bridge all the way to Tarragona Street, uh, right about the port area, is, is a phase one ask of about $4 million. So that would be the first one, going all the way from Three Mile Bridge on the north side all the way over to the port. And then the second one? And then uh, a second phase would be from that same location, Tarragona, over to Bayou Chico. Uh, and, and these it's for mixed-use or multi-use paths. Uh, that would potentially be protected. And so the natural next question that you might ask is, well, you know, if you know that area at all, you say, well, how's that going to happen? You know, are they going to make the lanes on Bayfront narrower in order to create space to cultivate a protected bike lane and, you know, pedestrian walkway? Uh, Are they going to, you know, take it from somewhere? Are they going to expand it? Are they going to eliminate a lane? That's something that's kind of been talked about occasionally is the reduction of Bayfront down to one lane in either direction from two lanes in either direction. And as I would expect the mayor to do when they're talking about this, he explains what they're going to do. There is no lane uh, reduction uh, that's being proposed uh, in terms of Bayfront Parkway. It would still be the same four lanes. It would be a reallocation of the medians. Uh, that that are very very wide, uh, almost unnecessarily so, uh, along Bayfront and reallocating that space to the south side to, to cre- create a uh, bike lane. So that was during the agenda review on Monday for City Council, who has their meeting tomorrow night. And on the in the press conference yesterday, he talked about it and said, "Look, the median in Bayfront, and if you know if you know Bayfront, you know that there's a very large median with lots of foliage." And at least at some parts, you don't even know there's another side because you can't see it through all of the ferns and whatnot. But um, he says, look, this design is kind of crazy, even though he understands where it came from historically. And there's a very simple solution here. Next time you drive on Bayfront Parkway, you see there's uh, the sidewalk actually abuts the the the. Uh I mean, it, there's not even any grass between the sidewalk in some instances uh, that with the old infrastructure that we have. It's basically right up against the street. And uh, I'm sure... Which, which, by the way, is not a preferred design for such a uh, relatively high-speed roadway, right? Is to have no buffer at all between the traffic and the pedestrians on the sidewalk on the south side. If I were to go back and research the design, the, uh, the last design enhancement of Bayfront Parkway, the idea of putting these big wide medians in was for beautification, for um, maybe other reasons I'm not aware of. But the reality is, uh, while a divided highway does provide some safety to the vehicle, uh, the, the superfluous amount of 12, 13, 14 feet uh, uh, you know, wide in some areas, uh, that's also, by the way, something that the state and or city has to maintain, uh, you know, and is not user-friendly at all you're obviously not going to have anybody in the middle of the street yeah so what is the plan then where do you get the you know the the footage basically to create the sheltered bike lane and more pedestrian buffer well simple you take it out of the median so pretty massive reconstruction project is what's imagined here again with state funds already set aside for purposes like this really what you're looking at is a reallocation of that width so if you think about 
when you think about the entire width being from uh, the north, mo the 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 paint on the north northernmost side uh, to the paint on the southernmost side, if you take all of that width and redistribute it, how, what we're saying is that we're going to be able to get the uh, the width that's being used within the existing medians, extract it, move that to the south side, uh, and and make the, those um, those medians more narrow, therefore reallocating that space for a protected uh, bike and walk path along the south side of Bayfront Parkway. So they're going to basically take the existing surface and they're going to reallocate portions of it to create the space on the south, mostly taking it out of the median that's far too wide. And uh, if I can suggest something to the mayor, and I may do so later this morning when we talk to him, I think I have a slogan for this project. You ready, Jake, for my slogan? I love a good slogan. Is yeah. there a theme song? He's, no, no, oh, okay. no. Just you, you'll you'll see how Let's this goes. Um, my slogan is: I think that what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to aggressively practice a massive redistribution of width. Okay, all right. <laughs> that's, it, that's what they're going to do. A massive redistribution of, like, of width. When I was on Weight Watchers. Yeah, or well, uh, or socialism. But no, it's a uh, socialism of roads, so it's fine. No big deal. Um, also, one key thing: they're not going to reduce the lanes. They're not going to reduce from four to two. So. That's going to be okay. That's not a continue. But there's another part of this that came up in the press conference yesterday that I thought was particularly interesting. Not in that section on Bayfront, but when you get over farther west uh, on Maine, head over to Bayou Chico, you've got, you know where on the south side of Maine, west of Joe Patty's, you've got those two totally defunct rail, uh, not two, but like two rail, uh, I mean, it's a railway line right there. And you, every time you drive past it, if you're me anyway, every time I drive past it, I always think, well, that just, that seems dumb. You know, <laughs> like it's not used, it's grass grown over, weeded in, rocked, whatever. It's literally just an obstacle in the ground. It's not something that anybody uses. And he said, you know, honestly, we're in the middle of talks about that. Uh, we've also been in separate converse conversations with the, the rail company that owns the rail that comes into A Street. Uh, obviously related to this project, but but a separate conversation about potential abandonment of some of that rail bed uh, for us, regardless of whether we get this money or not. That's something that we'll continue to pursue if we can. So interesting as a completely side conversation, they're trying to basically acquire that domain, that land, that right-of-way. I assume it's right-of-way on top of the land that's probably owned by the parcel owners underneath, but uh, just think of what they could do with that. We've seen places, like think about in Milton, the um, you know the multi-use path in Milton is a rails-to-trails, right? They converted old railway bed into trailway for, you know, mostly people and bikes walking and, and, and bicycling and walking your dog and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, you could do electric and scooters and things like that, and I I suppose somebody could drive a, a golf cart on there. I mean, it's wide enough. It's just that's not really the preferred purpose for it. So ultimately, we're looking at uh, there's the potential that we could take the rail from A Street to D Street, uh, that we would be able to potentially have that abandoned. Um, and uh, but because of the lumber yard there on F that still uses it uh, that, and they need the ability to back up uh, that we don't know that we could get it all the way to E, but that's certainly a great improvement because, as you know, we have a rail bed sitting there uh, in grass right now that's not maintained and, and not kept up and doesn't really provide any value uh, to the city. And certainly that acreage, that, that square footage would be extremely valuable to us in terms of, of some kind of mixed-use path. Yeah, I, I can see that. Somebody uh, texted 437-1620 says, instead of wasting $4 million on this, how about we build more parking spaces? Uh, fair question. But this is state money. 
and the state money is dedicated for this very particular kind of purpose, the Sun Trail of connectivity, creating connectivity for non-motor vehicles across the state of Florida. So it's really a matter of, hey, here's a bunch of money you can spend on this and not on the other things. But, you know, I mean, generally, I would agree with you. <laughs> I would definitely agree with that in principle, but that's not what this money is available for. This is money available from the state for a very particular purpose. I, I will say this also, you know, again, it's available from the state, so it's not like if we say no, we're doing something smarter, but I repeat my general observation that we keep trying really hard to create these bike and pedestrian spaces that I would say the sort of modern gurus of city design are big advocates for, but I'm just trying to imagine how many people are going to use even a really usable bike lane from the north part of the Three Mile Bridge which I guess would have to come from the southbound side because otherwise you're crossing traffic where at the roundabout, you know, that's going to be its own really funky challenge. But if you come across on the west side of the the bridge, right, um, then maybe that's – but how many people are trying to bike from Gulf Breeze to work at, like, you know, Nick's Boathouse? (laughs) I mean, you know, right, like into the the fish house, right? Like how many people are really going to use that? Or is it the kind of, you know, well, that's a cool thing to have. Now, don't get me wrong. Cool things to have are great. And having been recently in places like in Washington, D.C., where, you know, they have some amazing waterfront walkway stuff that is just like mind-bogglingly cool. If the goal is to build us into something like that, I I can see that as a long-term vision. I'm just not sure that this is that and we keep making space for these bikes and, and pedestrians. And I'm just telling you, when I'm driving down pace, when we've seen we've now, you know, reallocated lane space to make bike lanes, um, the most common way you see a bicycle on pace is crossing <laughs> across pace, somebody wandering gradually across, as is extraordinarily common for the um, you know, the non-drivers in that area. I think I have yet to see one time anybody actually using the bike lanes going up and down pace. So Somewhat, I feel like we're trying to create a city that represents a culture of transportation that we just don't have. And I know their view is, well, you build it, they will come. And I think, well, you build it. And who knows after that? But we love cars. You know, we don't love bikes. Um, the other thing is, and this is just kind of a you know last little thought about here is, like, how far can he go with this multi-use path? How far west? There's some variables on what we would do. Maybe it would just be a sidewalk that went on Main to Barrancas, but then the, the wider path where we need the room, maybe go down Cypress. Um, so that, that you'll see that in the proposals. You'll see kind of two different, where it kind of forks uh, forks off. Whoa, whoa, Mr. Mayor. I just don't think you should be <laughs> saying that the path forks off like that. You shouldn't be telling people that, you know, what you're going to do is uh, going to create something that forks off like that. I just think that, um, you know, you ought to just watch language a little bit. I mean, it's 522, but oh, still, man. sir, uh, <clears throat> a little more restraint. <laughs> I Come on, you know I'm 12 inside. I laugh at silly things. I really do. I'm Andrew McKay. 437-1620. If you need to get a vehicle that's um, an import that you've got that you need to get service, like a BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, Genesis, Audi, Jaguar, Lexus, good brands you pay extra to get because they're worth the extra cost. But then servicing it. You don't have to pay more to service it. You don't have to take it to the dealership, and especially if that dealership is at a distant place, like you know, over Mobile or over in Panama City or Destin or something like that. Um, you don't have to take it there. You can take it to Bobby Lycus Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. They work on these vehicles all the time. 
No problem. It'll save you the time, the trip, the cost of the trip, and also the cost of the repair, which is typically going to be more at the dealership. And you can get them worked on right here. Easy peasy. Uh, diesel engines, they work on those. No problem. You don't have to take that to the dealership. The, you know, the truck, the car, the whatever it is, a little different. Not everybody likes to work on them. They do. No problem. Their philosophy at Bobby Likas is to prevent things. Like to go there, maybe even when nothing is wrong, because, you know, it's clicked a certain number of miles over, take it to the uh, mechanic, have them look at it, drive it, you know, touch the car. I mean, mechanics notice things that you won't notice because like a doctor for your body, they're a doctor for the car. So they notice things and then they realize, okay, we need to head this off before it becomes a big, big thing. Because when it's big, it's going to be $2,000. Right now, it's, you know, 400 And we can take care of this ahead of time. That's the idea. Preventative maintenance, routine service, that kind of stuff. Bobby Likas Auto Service right here on Davis Highway. Some days, my active psoriatic arthritis makes it hard to get in the game. Now, the ball is in my court. Thanks to treating my skin and joints with Sky Rizzi. Rizinkizumab Rizzi, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection for adults. Sky Rizzi helps with less joint pain, stiffness, swelling, and fatigue. For those who also have plaque psoriasis, 90% clearer skin is possible with just four doses a year after two starter doses. Don't use if allergic to Sky Rizzi. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With Sky Rizzi, there's nothing like clearer skin and better movement, and that means everything. Ask your doctor today about Sky Rizzi and visit SkyRizzi.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZI to learn more. Rumors of Fleetwood Mac, the world's finest tribute to Fleetwood Mac, returns to the stage in 2023. A brand new show celebrating the very best of Fleetwood Mac. A unique opportunity for fans both old and new to rediscover the songs and performances that have ensured Fleetwood Mac's place as one of the most loved groups of all time. Personally endorsed by Fleetwood Mac founding member Mick Fleetwood. Live at Pensacola Sanger Theater on November 22nd. The ultimate tribute to Fleetwood Mac. Tickets are on sale now from Ticketmaster.com. Join Stefan Schmidt, Marine Service Technology Instructor at Georgetown Technical College for Boat Smart on the Pensacola Expert Panel this Friday at 10 a.m. Key Marine sponsoring the show. When Key Marine needs to hire Marine Service technicians, they hire students from Georgetown Technical College. Have a boating question for Stefan? Then give us a call at 437-1620. It's a dream team, so join them this Friday at 10 a.m. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 a.m. 1620. Pensacola businesses are estimated to lose over $20,000 to cybercrimes this month. I'm Nathan with Data Revolution, and this is your Cybersecurity Tip of the Month. Confirming any change to a financial transaction with a phone call can save time, embarrassment, and especially money when dealing with would-be criminals. Businesses along the Gulf Coast trust Data Revolution for their cybersecurity and communications needs. Visit datarevs.com for more information. Like everybody else. Nine guys, no weapons. He said there ain't no rest for the wicked. Money don't grow on trees. I got bills to pay, I got mouths to feed. There ain't nothing in this world for free. I know I can't slow down, I can't hold back, though you know I wish I could. I know there ain't no rest for the wicked until we close our eyes for good. 
Good morning, 527 here on News Radio 92.3. Uh, Jake, you and I were talking in the break about this. That, um, And I mentioned D.C., which the walking path in D.C. is genuinely fantastic. Um, but it's a very different kind of style, I think, than what we have proposed for here. But you said in Atlanta there's something like this as well. In northwest Atlanta, when I, I lived there when I was a teenager, uh, it, they had the Silver Comet Rail Trail. And okay. that was just miles of uh, rail beds that they had repurposed into a bike you know, walking path. And it was crowded all the time. There was always people on it. But right at the foot of the trail on both sides, they had... A huge parking lot that could fill, you know, 50, 60 cars easy so people could offload their bikes, get the kids out, get the strollers out, get ready to go. Um, so to have something like that for people to actually come and use it, they're going to have to park somewhere if they yeah. can't get to it that easily. So it, it kind of solves a problem and creates one all at the same time. No, that's a great point because, you know, where is the existing parking? I mean, sure, we've got all of this abundant free parking in. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right? No, but seriously, like what the the boat you can't do it at the boat launch. That's already pretty packed, mm-hmm. and so there's no place to really park so that people could want to use it unless they're going to then what walk across Bayfront. I mean, there's not that many parking spaces even at like Community Mar- uh, not Community, but at um, uh, Veterans Park. Mm-hmm. At the moment, there's some at Community Maritime Park, well down the way, but that stuff's going to get sucked up for the the development that's maybe going to go in there uh, anyway. Um, and you know, you just not supposed to park there all the time necessarily so it's that's a that's a good question but also the real issue with this kind of bayfront as a transportation corridor is it works for cars because people need to get from distant places it doesn't connect population centers it's not the kind of thing where like i can i can see the argument that if you built something that made it easier to get from like east hill to downtown pensacola i can see how people might bike that in order to travel that way but biking from what Gulf Breeze to I mean it's just not going to happen on a regular basis. 528 on News Radio 923 David Wayne's got our headlines in the newsroom. David Uh looks like some big Was that wind- applause for me. Well it must have been for me. You just introduced oh, me, okay, right? Okay, all right, fair enough. Welcome to the stage, David Wayne, everybody. <laughs> no, uh, looks like some big wins for Democrats in yesterday's elections. Kentucky Democrat Governor Andy Bashir was reelected. He fended off a challenge from uh, their Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron. Ohio passed a ballot measure adding abortion rights into their constitution and seeing some reports uh, from Virginia that Democrats will be retaining control of their state Senate and flipped their state house of delegates. Yeah, pretty uh, dramatic in Virginia, I think, for sure. Absolutely. A, a pretty uh, good rep, uh, rejection of uh, what Glenn Youngkin, so. And uh, former President Donald Trump's daughter, Ivanka, is expected to testify today in New York in that civil fraud trial against the Trump Organization. Her testimony following her brothers, Donald Jr. and Eric, they testified last week. And, of course, the former president testified Monday. And uh, Sony will be removing support from the social media platform, uh, X from its PlayStation consoles. Uh, they say users will no longer be able to view or post from PlayStation 4 and 5 consoles. How will I go on? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, X was going to start charging the companies uh, quite a bit to do it. So. Well, of course. Yet another revenue stream that Elon Musk manages to not acquire. So, you know, okay. David, thanks so much for the update. He's going to have local news coming back at you right after Fox here at the bottom of the hour. Stick around. Fox News, I'm C.J. Papa. Voters in Ohio making it the seventh state to protect abortion rights more than a year and a half since 
U.S. Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade. This measure prevents bans on abortions for the mother's health or before the fetus is considered viable. Ohio voters also voting to legalize recreational marijuana for adults 21 or older. That makes the Buckeye State the 24th state in the country to do so. Fox's Brooke Singman reporting this morning. For more years for Democratic Governor Andy Beshear in Kentucky, he beats back a challenge from the Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron. A clean sweep in Virginia give Democrats the return to power in the General Assembly while keeping the state Senate under their control of major defeat for the Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin and fellow Republicans. American is listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 at News Radio 92.3 right now, 59 degrees. It is partly cloudy in Pensacola today. The woman accused of stealing a car with a five-year-old girl in it on Monday has now been arrested. The Escambia Sheriff's Office says they arrested 23-year-old Miracle Armstrong on Tuesday night. Armstrong faces both kidnapping and vehicle theft charges. The girl, Isabel Batiste, was reunited with her family about an hour after the vehicle she was sitting in was stolen outside of a home in the Bellevue area. Police did find that vehicle uh, abandoned outside of a Woodsy's bar on Mobile Highway Monday. Armstrong now held on $218,000 bond and is due in court on December 1st. Damien's Ice Cream is in the process of moving their operations from Pensacola to Santa Rosa County's Northwest Florida Industrial Park. I leave Pensacola too very lightly, but we considered options uh, as we're experiencing a tremendous growth. With the organization, we considered options as far west as Baton Rouge. We looked at opportunities in Jacksonville. We spent some time in Tallahassee, even up in Cairo, Georgia, for a little while. After they bought five acres at the park in 2021, the county now is planning to sell them another three acres at no cost. The county projects Damien's will provide a capital investment of over $10 million and more than 30 jobs. County commissioners are scheduled to approve that sale agreement on Thursday this week. Uh, burn bans have been extended in both Santa Rosa and Okaloosa counties now. The Division of Forestry has requested that we uh, continue that burn ban. Uh, I'm thinking at least in th- through Friday when we're predicted to get some rain, the humidity is still very low and we're very dry. That was from Monday's Santa Rosa committee meeting. Uh, the Santa Rosa County burn ban is extended through Friday. Okaloosa County's ban will remain in effect through November 14th. The bans prohibit outdoor burning, including bonfires, campfires, and cooking fires, unless it's within a contained gas or charcoal grill. Congressman Matt Gates is calling on President Biden to mark December 6th as a National Day of Remembrance. It was on that day in 2019 when a Saudi flight student conducted a mass shooting on board NAS Pensacola, killing three people, injuring eight more before he was killed. The parents of the victims, Ensign Caleb Watson, of one of the victims, Ensign Caleb Watson, talked to Channel 3. The freedoms that we share uh, on a day-to-day basis, they're just offering. Uh, Men and women have been paying the price for our freedom for over 250 years. And we just owe them a debt of gratitude. In a letter to the president, Gates is requesting that all federal buildings lower their flags to half staff on that day. 534 News Radio, let's get a look at our Channel 3 forecast. 
beautiful sunny day today with a high near 79 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 63 degrees. We'll have partly cloudy skies for Thursday with a high near 79. Thursday night, temperatures dropping near 66. Rain chance moves in on Friday with a 40% chance of rain, high near 77. Stay connected to the Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. And right now, 58 degrees in Pensacola, 59 in Gulf Breeze, and 51 in Milton. Our next news at 6. Breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. War breaks out between Israel and Hamas. Starting with our top three stories today, the latest in Israel is Hamas released two hostages. A built-in couple who was in Israel when the Hamas attacks began has arrived back home safely. When we were leaving, Governor DeSantis says it's important to stand with Israel. Most of the deaths of our own servicemen. We're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. I got to give the president credit for keeping you informed with a local emphasis. News Radio 92.3. 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like CMEX Materials, GE Wind Energy, Pensacola Bay Oysters, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. Elevate your brand with custom engraved gifts and products from Prim and Proper. Your clear choice for all brand and product needs. Locally owned and trusted, Prim and Proper offers custom engravings for promotional and gift items for your business. They also have so many unique gifts to choose from, including engraved drinkware, cutting boards, tumblers, water bottles, slate decor, and more to inspire you the moment you walk through the door. They're also the only local retailer for Sandhopper electric beach carts. Primandproper.com for more. That's Primandproper.com. Little Isabel Batiste, hand-delivered home. We're very, very relieved, very happy to reunite the, the five-year-old child with, with the mother. But I can tell you on yeah. the way over here, she was, um, she's very happy. She's talking a lot about going to kindergarten, kindergarten because five-year-olds go to kindergarten. Um, she was worried about her mother's van or her mother's Jeep. Um, just a normal conversation. She's... Um, She's quite the little girl. Yeah, you know, it was a very interesting scene. I think we've all seen the video now on Channel 3 of the sheriff returning this little girl to her mom. And, uh, man, what an event that, thank goodness, resolved the way that it did. And as you heard uh, David mentioning, we now actually have the person that we believe stole that car and kidnapped the girl, perhaps inadvertently, but still, you know, you take a kid, you take a kid, um, has that person in custody. We yesterday had a good chance to talk to Sheriff Chim uh, Sheriff Chip Simmons about the incident and, uh, you know, how they found her and what all happened. Sheriff, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good to have you. So um, tell us about this very weird case uh, where I guess the mom had left the car running with the, the daughter inside at the stepmom's house. I assume there's some kind of a custody exchange or something like that going on. But you tell me what happened here. Uh, well, all I know is that uh, the vehicle was left outside while the mother goes inside. And uh, and then when she comes out, the, her van is 
I keep calling her van, but it's actually her Jeep. Her Jeep was missing. Unfortunately, her her uh, Jeep also had her five-year-old daughter inside of it. So she called us. Um, and, th- you know, this, unfortunately, it happens a couple times, you know, every couple of years that someone will steal a car not knowing there's a child in it. Um, and then they'll return it or they'll stop and they'll, they'll bail out. In this case, we, after five or 10, 15, 20 minutes, we thought, oh, this is not, she's not returning. She, surely she realizes a five-year-old child in her car. Right. So it's bad enough to steal a car. It's, it's terrible. Um, you know, the thoughts, what, what could take place when the child is in the car. So um, as 30 minutes went by, 45 minute, minutes went by, an hour, we're starting to get pretty concerned. Uh, we had developed, at, by this time, information about who the suspect would be. We had information that the suspect sometimes is armed, carries a bag that, that has a, a firearm in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this time, we had already had, we had, uh, we have uh, what we call oh, So this a, particular suspect you thought might be armed based on other information correct. you learned about her. Okay. Right. Yeah. As we, as we get a profile of the vehicle, we also get a profile obviously of the suspect. Yeah. And in this case, the suspect was a, a woman that had stolen a car before. Um, and then we believe that she left her bicycle there at the scene and then she took off in, in the, um, the victim's car. And then we also had information that this lady had uh, at times carried a firearm in her bag. Got it. So that's the information that we had. We had been circulating, uh, you know, to, we had probably 50 deputies and Pensacola police officers that were assisting in the area. Where was this? It was over off uh, Oakland Drive, okay. over, over off of Marlene okay. in, in that area. And and at the time, you know, I know that a lot of people were, were noticing uh, there were deputies and police officers everywhere because we know that we need to inundate that area as quick, quickly as we can because there was some information that uh, this the, the suspect might be wanting to go to Atlanta. Mm. Well, the worst thing we wanted was for her to take this child out of the, uh, area. You know, out of yeah. the area so we're we're doing our best to try to you know um, corral the scene and make sure that we cover everything uh, again as time went on it, it we, we began to get worried again we, we don't know what her she had in mind we don't know if she's abandoned the car in a wooded area somewhere and that child is by themselves we don't know sure what's taking place ultimately uh one of the to their credit one of the Pensacola police officers saw the vehicle that was parked beside Woodsy's which is a bar right there on mobile highway um, didn't see the suspect in it. I happened to be pulling in at the same area. Uh, and, and so we went up to the car. The Pensacola police officer pulled the, the child from the car, and obviously the child was okay. Then we started thinking, okay, how do we get this child to the mother? Because I just left the mother, yeah, and or the mother, uh, where the, the location where the mother was. The stepmother. The, the real mother. Oh, the real mother. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and, and so I thought, I, I, this, this child needs to get to her mother quickly. And I was the only one that had a car that didn't have a cage in the back of it. Oh, and no uh-huh. one's put a five-year-old in the back of a car, yeah. a police car. And I knew where the mother was. So I actually uh, I volunteered to take the child to the to the mother. And, and that was what, what you saw on Channel 3. I uh, As I pulled up, Channel 3 was already there interviewing a family member. Yeah. And I was able to give the mother, reunite the child with the, to, the, to the mother. Just as a fact, because I'm still a little hazy on this, you returned the child to the stepmom, though, right? No, to the actual mother. To the mother, Okay, right. I misunderstood that then. I apologize. So, okay. Right. But still, I mean, amazing <laughs> and great. And I, I bet some people watching it were like, now, how did the sheriff get in the middle of all this? Well, just by random. I was thinking dumb luck. the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, again, I was I was in the area. Yeah. Um, it was it was around four o'clock, I guess. So we had all hands on deck. You know, a lot of times when when we say we had everyone available. Yeah. We mean it. Everyone available. I was there. Both of my chief deputies were we were circulating um, as as best we can because it was starting to get dark, and I knew that if it got dark, it'd be more difficult to sure. identify a, a, a jeep of that color, a goldish looking jeep. And again, I saw as I just said, I was I happened to be in the area. Uh, when the Pensacola police officer alertly found the car, 
pulled pulled the child, and, and I was the only one there without a, a cage without car. a cage. That makes yeah. sense. And and was the uh, the the thief the car thief in the bar around somewhere else? Not there at all. We did a canine check. The bar did not appear to be open. Okay. Uh, in fact, I wasn't so sure. Just went to around the back, and there was okay. no one in the in the in the parking lot except for this one car. Um, but we did a canine track, and obviously we're still looking for okay. Miracle Armstrong is her name. Uh, we have her picture up, and we had all the information up. One thing I want to point out, um, you know, you only have one chance to get these things right. You know, we go through training, and you see all these things. We saw it with Naomi Jones. We saw it with yeah. the young lady that was attempted abduction a couple years ago. Unfortunately, we've had some experience in this. Yes. Um, so as I mentioned before, um, you know, some people don't understand some of the coordination that takes that takes place. We get the information to our, all of the local uh, local agencies, and like I said, the Pensacola Police Department is out there helping us as we would with with them. Um, we were working on uh, getting a search warrant for the phone. That, okay. that, that started immediately, but that's, these things don't happen quickly. Uh, we were working on. We were so it's not like on TV where you can just instantly, you know, hack into the phone and find the location and pull up the, the cell towers and figure all that out on the spur of the moment. That's correct. It, it takes some time. First of all, to find out the suspect and then get the, a mm-hmm. phone if you had that offer uh, that opportunity. In this case, there were some complications. The phone had been disconnected before, and there was a lot of complications with the phone. Uh, we were working on an Amber Alert. Again, Amber Alerts don't happen very quickly. We put on our Facebook page Amber Alert just to get attention to it. Because that's so what we it would put the information. As, right? right. We knew it would qualify. We had the information. But we, there was never actually an official Amber Alert. We put the information out because we wanted people in our area to know what was going on. There was no official Amber Alert, not because we didn't apply for one, because it takes them a couple minutes to get that up and, and by running. The time. By the time that, that happened, we had already had it on our Facebook page. Um, and we had already, uh, you know, we had already discovered the, the the car with the child in it. Outstanding. This is and this is a good illustration of something else, Alex. I feel like I cannot say this particular message often enough because it drives me crazy. This is another example of TV lies to you about cop rules, and the most pernicious of those lies is that if a child goes missing, the cops don't care until it's been a day or two days or three days or whatever the var- variation of lie is. Uh, if a child goes missing, even if an adult goes missing, how long do you wait before you call the cops? I do it immediately. Every time. Immediately. <laughs> You'd rather, especially for a kid, because right. three minutes can make a huge difference, right? Well, what we also had, what's kind of odd about this one, is we had a missing child um, right about, I don't know, about a mile or so down the, down the road. A okay. missing 10-year-old child. So now we're trying to figure out, is the child really, was it a five-year-old child? Did someone drop the child off? Yeah. They, they're unrelated. Yeah. Strangely enough, they were unrelated. There was and that child was also okay? Child. Found okay? That child was fine, found okay, but it was wandering around the neighborhood mm. about a mile away. So, again, all these things are taking place. Uh, I I'm, I would tell you, and I have to say it again, how proud I am of the men and women of, of law enforcement throughout our county, not just the Escambia County Sheriff's Office, but obviously the Pensacola Police Department. We work so well together. Uh, we, we share c- communication. We share radio um, you know, communications on, on these types of things. And I was going through a lot of the intersections and they were manned by Pensacola police officers and then deputies were going through the, you know, because they're more familiar with the area, going through the neighborhood. So that's, uh, I, I think that what you saw last night or what you're hearing now about what happened last night is is that cooperation that you hope happens um, when, when something like this happens, that we all come together and because we have one priority. Right. And that one priority was that it wasn't the car, uh, it, it, it wasn't anything but a five-year-old girl and making sure she was returned safely home. And and this was a case where 
numbers made a difference because it was having enough eyeballs wandering around looking to find the car to find the girl. So that's that's great news. We had a couple of other incidents took place. Uh, one was a couple of Pine Forest uh, Road uh, gas stations got robbed on Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, we had two of them. Uh, one of them took place at about 2.45 uh, p.m. at the Smartville. A masked man came inside, uh, brandished a handgun, and demanded money. Uh, got away with some money and some cigarettes. Uh, we did a canine search, but we weren't able to find him. And then 10 o'clock that night uh, at Cumberland Farms, there was a second one. A masked man entered with a sock covering his head and pointing it to the cashier. And then uh, that person ended up getting away as well. So we're looking for both of these. We're, we're actively investigating. Uh, you know, it's hard it's, to say. It, we do believe that because of the, the, the close proximity, proximity of it yeah. and time of it, uh, we, we are looking at the possibility that they are, that they are connected. So okay. we're comparing both videos. Uh, with what we have and, and, you know, potentially getting a track or fingerprints or anything. You also had a uh, SWAT uh, uh, interdiction for a drug house. That's another closed drug house last Thursday. Uh, Robert Beasley, I believe, was the person. Yeah, some people ask me, how come SWAT team does all your search warrants for drugs? It's because we have guns so many, so many times. When we, we, we'll have information that an individual is because selling drugs. Because they have guns. SWAT and, team always has and, guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, the, yeah. they uh, might have guns, right? We, we see drugs. We see guns, see guns in, I gotcha. in these locations. So, yeah, we did a search warrant, ended up uh, charging Robert Beasley with possession of a weapon by a convicted felon, which you always, almost always hear that one when yeah. the drugs. Um, trafficking in methamphetamine. And remember, tra- there's possession. There's possessing with intent to distribute, and then there's trafficking, which is higher, a higher level okay. based upon how much drugs is, of, of any particular type is found. Um, trafficking in methamphetamines, like I mentioned, possession of marijuana with intent to sell, possession of cocaine with intent to sell, and drug paraphernalia. So a good job on uh, this happened at the 1800 block of Figland Avenue. And also we seized, um, let's see how many guns we seized. I think I want to say there was like four or five guns seized. Uh, here, four firearms, including one of them, which was reported stolen. So we talk a lot about guns and drugs going together, and, and then you can see it when we do these search warrants. We find the drugs, but we also find the guns, and then we talk about, okay, where do these stolen guns go to? Right. Well, at many cases, they go to these drug houses and you know for protection or for trade or whatever they're going to use them for. So, uh, again, uh, good job by the SWAT team, good job by our narcotics unit, and— um, you know, one one fewer drug house, at least temporarily. I, I don't know if this analogy will help anybody, but if you go into somebody's house in the refrigerator, they've got two dozen eggs, that's possession. If they've got 10 dozen eggs, probably intent. And if they've got 100 dozen eggs, they're trafficking eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's eating 100 dozen eggs. And if they got chickens in the back, they're manufacturing. <laughs> that's exactly. They're manufacturing. That's, that's right. It's a lab. <laughs> uh, last uh, last question for you is um, you had a homicide. Uh, somebody wanted for a homicide in Brownsville on Blunt Street on Thursday. This is a uh, Shibiri or Shibri Steverson? Uh Yeah, we had an argument that led to a, a shooting in the Brownsville area. Well, the uh, the victim ended up being shot by, we believe the victim ended up getting shot by Shabri, S-H-Y-B-R-I, uh, Steverson. And we have been looking for uh, for that gentleman for the last couple of days now. So if you know where we can find Shabri Steverson, there is an active homicide warrant. He is considered armed and dangerous. Don't approach him. Just call us, and we would love to approach him. Uh, yeah, uh, and leave that to you. Leave that leave to you. Leave that to us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to also make a note. You know, the uh, Homecoming Air Show was out there, okay, uh-huh. obviously, at the base on Saturday and Friday. And uh, PPD had their, you know, Blue Angels Cruiser, and you, right. Scammy Sheriff's Office, had your um, your Corvette. 
And I had not, I guess I had not seen the vet in person or hadn't paid attention or something. The rear quarter panels on the vet have these silhouette shadow art that is amazing art, by the way, of like um, uh, DeLuna and the ships on one of the quarter panels on the left side. And then on the right side, it has the Pensacola Beach Ball and the Blue Angels. And it's a really cool little accent that I'm sure it was there in the beginning and I had never seen before. And so great artwork on that car, by the way. Yeah, you know, we wanted to originally the um, uh, and I'll the, the original Blue Angel idea was took place when Tommy Leiter was the chief of Pensacola Police Department, and when he came over to sheriff's office, he said, "Hey, we need a Blue Angel car." So, yeah, yeah, uh, he has to wait. So in the meantime, Pensacola Police gets a Blue Angel car, so uh, we we got we got a Corvette, and and I didn't really want to do it as a Blue Angel car because it's already one of those. Right, it looks like and, it's derivative, and, right? Yeah, and so I said, "Well, you know, let's just let's just." Printed up as a police car, but I do want to pay tribute to to the Blue Angels again. Uh, the Blue Angels are stationed at NES in the county. Um, they do their air show in, at the Pensacola Beach. That's why I put the beach ball up there. And then <laughs> I, my, love, I love the shade. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's you it's, know the Blue Angels so, events don't happen in the city, right? <laughs> anyway, go on. Yeah, but the Pensacola is a credit of Navy, naval aviation, so I'll, I'll certainly give them that. And we and really we're all one community. Absolutely. But I was, on the other side was more of a um, I mean I'm kind of a history buff. And so I, I, I wanted some something to um, you know to honor the you know Deluna and the ships and that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing, uh, which happened downtown Pensacola. Right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair you enough. Know, so and and so that that's just a, a little little artwork that we added uh, to the to the sides of the of the, the Corvette. I will say that probably next year we I'm I'm contemplating you know having people vote for what what the next wrap the new be wrap for the, okay for, for the Corvette whether we keep it as a a sheriff's office one or whether we. Um, you know, go forward with a potentially a, a you know a Blue Angel like we originally planned, or if we do some sort of um, other tribute, Burt Reynolds tribute around here, a Burt Reynolds tribute. <laughs> <laughs> you drive a Corvette. <laughs> it has to no. be something fast. Yeah. Is, is the only yeah. issue. I'm just, I think a Firebird. You know, that's all I'm saying. Maverick. Uh, <laughs> no, fair know, enough. So. There you go. Uh, Sheriff Chip Simmons, as always, sir. Thank you for the time. Thanks for keeping us safe. A great work yesterday by you and all of your folks and the PPD as well for uh, rescuing that girl. And uh, as always, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. You bet. Y'all take care. Absolutely. Uh, I, I do feel like I missed my opportunity. And it always bothers me when I have that, like, ah, on the way home. You know, I should have said that. Right. When I'm talking about the eggs and the difference between personal consumption, possession, and trafficking. <laughs> if only I had thought to use the example of 50 dozen egg cartons, mm. eggs, you know, then right. then I certainly could have said that, well, it's got to be trafficking because nobody can eat 50 dozen eggs. I can eat 50 eggs. Nobody can eat 50 eggs. <laughs> <laughs> See, opportunities missed. Mm. Five fifty-three here on News Radio ninety-two-three. Informative, local, dependable. If you are looking at buying or selling a home, Christine Leavenworth and her team at Levin Rinky Realty are fantastic. They will communicate with you, of course. They will keep you informed, and they will also strategize with you on the best things to do for your home. And if you're selling, I'm just telling you, you put yourself into their process, and it's amazing the results that you're going to get because. It's everything from staging the house inside, outside, knowing what the knowing what the buyer may find, you know, unappealing about something either on the outside or the inside. Photographing it just right, putting it on social media just right, setting up the you know the invites and getting people to come look at it in just the right way, and then getting you through those uh, submissions if you do get more than one to try to figure out what's the best one for you. I mean, all of that stuff they've got it figured out, like down to a science, seriously. And you know, they sold 230 homes last year, not by accident. Because they do kind of know what they're doing. She's only been doing this for, I think, about six or seven years now, something like that. And it's just kind of those ridiculous, impressive results. So whether you're buying, whether you're selling, uh, whether you're just thinking about it, 
you know, just thinking about it, Stage is a good time to call an expert realtor like Christina Leavenworth and her team at Levin Rinky Realty, 723-9158. Mo Dig Hall Lift. The versatile Kubota BX Series subcompact tractor does it all. Switching attachments is simple, and a smooth hydrostatic transmission makes for easy operation. The Kubota BX Series, rated number one in durability and owner experience. Talk to your local Kubota dealer today to schedule a demo. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit the friendly folks at Coastal Machinery, now with 40 years in the business. Locations in Pensacola and Crestview. An affiliated insurance reminder that open enrollment for health insurance starts November 1st. This year, enroll in a Florida Blue plan. Get personalized support from an appointed Florida Blue agent. Their agents are trained to help you find a health plan that fits your lifestyle and budget, not theirs. It's about finding the right plan for you and not the pricing. Call 850-477-5840 to schedule an appointment with your Florida Blue agent today. Policies have limitations. Health insurance from Blue Cross Blue Shield Florida, Inc., BBA Florida Blue. Deep climbing. Picked off. He brought it down with one hand. Johnson goes down. Sack. This is your home for FSU football. Walks in deep downfield. Caught. Touchdown. FSU. Rolling to his left. They're going to throw. End zone. Picked off. Game over. Catch live coverage of the Seminoles all season long. Right here on your home for Florida State football. Listen to FSU football on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Brought to you by Pensacola Hardware. Why is Bray Jewelers the best place to buy an engagement ring? Come in and see our selection. I promise you, we have more diamond engagement rings than you'll see anywhere in the panhandle of Florida. But it's what you do for people that they don't expect that they remember. The little things that we do, we want to deliver special experiences for you at Beret. We love doing what we do and we love making people happy. We want every person that walks into the store to feel like you're part of our family. I want everybody to have an amazing experience at Beret Jewelers. Believe what I'm seeing. Where you've been all your lives at an orgy? Listen to Mick Jagger music and bad mouthing your country, I'll bet. Good morning, 556 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Kind of an interesting thing might happen in Hollywood. Uh, Gal Gadot is going to maybe try to screen this 47-minute mini uh, documentary on the Hamas terror attack on Israel on uh, October 7th for other Hollywoodites, for other actors and directors and people in order to... um, well, explain it to them, <laughs> you know, because a lot of them don't quite have the right perspective on all this. I mean, she's going to uh, gal explain it to yeah, them. Yeah, oh, I like that. She's going to gal explain yeah, yeah, like it. it. Well, there you go. Um, and you know, you probably know this, but in case you don't, uh, Gal Gadot is uh, is Israeli, and she actually served as I think everybody does typically uh, for two years in the IDF. So you know, she would know uh, a little bit about this. But it's interesting to see, you know, whether she can get anybody to come in and actually watch it or not, and you know, kind of watch it. It's going to start screening like next week or something in general, uh, where it's going to be available. Pretty hard footage is what I've been told, which is not surprising. Uh, or what I've read, excuse me, um, which is not surprising given that it's meant to be like body cam footage of what actually happened on that day. Five, I don't know that I, I don't know that I would have the stomach to watch it, frankly. But for people who want to, you know, act like, uh, oh, Hamas is just, you know, they're, you know, a, a terrorist is just somebody else's revolutionary by a different name. No, no, you're an mm-hmm. idiot. Uh, David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David. 
Well, top G7 diplomats are saying they want to see a humanitarian pause in the uh, bombardment of Gaza so aid can be delivered to civilians there. Uh, the foreign ministers, including Secretary of State Antony Blinken, announced a, a unified stance on that at a meeting in Tokyo. They released a statement condemning Hamas, supporting Israel's right to defend itself, but also asking for that pause. The Supreme Court will be deciding whether people who are the subjects of a protective order should be allowed to keep their guns. Uh, this case was heard by the court yesterday, involves a Texas man who assaulted his ex-girlfriend and threatened to shoot her if she yeah. told anybody. And I, uh, I have not yet listened to the oral arguments, but I read some analysis of it. We were talking about this yesterday. And uh, this is the kind of case where if you can't stop this guy from having a gun, you can't stop anybody from having a gun. And um, other than a felon, you know, would be the only allowable. Anyway, so everybody is convinced that the Supreme Court is going to uphold the red flag law in this case. And based on some of the quotes I read, I would say that's true, too. But I will listen to the oral arguments and play some of the audio coming maybe tomorrow, Monday, something like that. But yeah, um, which is good because I had been worried that they would only take up a case like this at the extreme because they wanted to strike down the law in the extreme case you know that's not kind of typically how the court works so the, they don't want to take up an extreme case it's an easy they take up a controversial but because there had been disagreement at the lower courts i get why they would take this one up david thank you so much for the update uh five republicans on the stage tonight only five chris christie ramaswamy nikki haley uh, governor DeSantis, and uh you're listening to <laughs> news radio 92.3 WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.